this morning. Um, oh, the oath of office. Who's going to do that? Terry? Terry. Do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of California against all enemies. Oh my God. <laughs> I do. Break into smaller parts. <laughs> okay. It's also in front of you if you wanted to read it. Um, oh. Uh, do solemnly swear. That, I, that we will support and defend the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of California against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That I will bear true faith and allegiance. That I will bear, bear true faith, faith and allegiance. To the Constitution of the United States. To the Constitution of the United States. And the Constitution of the State of California. And the Constitution of the State of California. That I take this obligation freely. That I take this obligation freely. Without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. Without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. And that I will well and faithfully discharge. Well and faithfully discharge. The duties upon which I'm about to enter. The duties on which I am about to enter. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Getting was almost as hard as getting here. <laughs> I told you not to tell them that. Uh, any uh, um, changes or, or deletions to the agenda? Yes. Um, I Staff has one. Uh, we can delete the closed session for today. Um, notes, uh, based on the direction you gave me, we successfully negotiated with uh, the management, uh, supervisory, professional, and confidential employees for a one-year renewal of their contract. Okay. And we have one addition to the agenda, which is uh, just a brief item of staff recognition. It does not require board action. Okay. So um, given those two amendments, is there a motion to approve as amendment? Move approval. Second. As amended. Second? Okay. Director Rankins, Director Henriksen, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Public forum, anybody want to address the board on anything not on the agenda this morning? Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's yes, okay. we're going to go back to uh, the staff recognition that was the addition to the agenda this morning. 
Yes, this doesn't require board action, but we like to take this opportunity publicly uh, to recognize our staff um, who do tremendous things. And we had a great uh, holiday employee recognition event the other night where we did a lot of recognition of all of our employees and the outstanding year they've had. But in particular, um, for a number of years, we've been very focused on the safety program here at the district. And um, one employee in particular, and I don't know the stats here, he's probably submitted many, many mm -hmm. suggestions, safety yeah. suggestions. I, I can't, fair to say many. Um, I don't know how many. But then we submit those, our safety committee submits those to Aqua <coughs> JPIA, our insurance carrier, and then they recognize those that if they feel deem appropriate and actually reward those employees with a small uh, check for $75 for those suggestions. So once again, and I think this has happened at least two or three times, uh, that Ralph uh, has been recognized, Ralph Turner, of our, uh, he's field supervisor for parks and facilities, has been recognized yet again. Um, for a safety suggestion. His safety suggestion was relative to the snow shedding off the roof uh, down at the new section of Lakeside Trail off of our pump station. So he mm -hmm. suggested some retrofits that would keep that snow from sliding on any potential users of that trail section. Um, so, Director Rankins, I thought maybe you'd like to present this to Ralph. And we'd like to congratulate Ralph for continuing to make this a safer work environment and safer for our customers. Ralph, how many suggestions have you submitted, do you think? Wow. <laughs> At least, I think. Nice job, Ralph. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Thanks for the great job out there, Ralph. Thank you. you guys take such good care of our community. Nice. Okay. Item E, approve the uh, Aqua JPIA EAP Employee Assistance Program. Thank you. you yes. <laughs> so staff is recommending that the board approve this Aqua JPIA EAP benefit for uh, $1,700 for 2013. We're recommending this for a couple reasons. It supplements our existing EAP program that we have as well as allows Director Rankins to continue to serve on the executive board of Aqua JPIA so he can continue this valuable service. Um, logically, you may say, why don't we just swap one EAP for our current EAP? Because EAP is currently negotiated with our uh, union, union individuals. We cannot just automatically change it without going through numerous steps to get that done. But we think this is a good program to enroll in for a couple reasons. If I take you to the very last page where we talk about 10 years of EAP cost, and you'll get a sense of what EAP has cost us over the last 10 years. This program is less than 1700 a year. And so we feel that besides allowing Director Rankins to continue to serve on the executive board, which also serves the greater need of the district, it also has opportunity to reduce costs in the future for the district. So with that, I, any questions that the board may have? Well, um, excuse me, Mr. In uh, when the negotiated EAP, EAP or whatever it is. Yeah, employee, yeah, employee um, assistance program. Comes due and we're going to negotiate with the union again. Would we 
negotiate, maybe to substitute this one for the other one at that time? We would, yes. That would be one of the things we may discuss, depending if the program proves to work for our current employees. There are some <clears throat> interesting aspects of it. It enhances what we already provide, as well as, um, which is, is, you can see at the bottom of page the first page and leading on to the second page, but also there were some challenges with the providers also on the list. And so if we use this as a year or two-year trial period, having both, and then when time comes for negotiation that we'll have a better position to say what really works for our employees. Okay. That's good for me. I move approval. Let's okay. So second. Yeah, question? Yeah, I've got, yeah, I've got a couple of questions. Okay. So... So if we, so our current program will reimburse up to $1,500. $1,500 out-of-pocket expense. That's our uh, labor agreement Correct. the employees. And our current provider is a, is a local area provider? Our, our plan is administered through, through a third party. Okay. And they, normally what happened, the employee has two paths. They can go to CalPERS and use one of their recommended providers, or they can go through our third-party individual who administers it for confidentiality purposes. Mm -hmm. And so there's a couple venues, but what we do ultimately is we fund out-of-pocket costs for the employee up to 1500 Okay. And then with this second program that we're talking about adding, the it looks like we pay a fixed amount Correct. to JPIA. And then regardless of the amount of use of the program, the, um, our cost remains the same? Correct. Correct. So what it is is that the employee is allowed, the first item is they're allowed <coughs> six visits per incident or per um, issue that they're trying to address. So it's more than six visits. And also you can see the other, the 24-7 telephone crisis the uh, robust website that they have among the other other items that they offer for EAP. So given that we now have two programs, if there's an employee that wants to make use of the employee assistance program, how's that going to work? Well, if are, the, are, they gonna, are we going to ask them to use this program first because it's going to cost us less? You know, um, yeah. Dan, I don't think we can because many of, I think the biggest issue and the reason initially staff wasn't sure we could support this is because very few of the local providers that provide counseling services uh, are covered by this pro, the new program. Very few. Uh, if any. I don't know that any are. So you'd be asking employees who've established some sort of rapport with a counselor um, to switch to somebody, and there's very few locally that even, uh, I, I think when we researched this, there weren't any. But what is available is the 24-7. Now, if a new employee uh, goes to our, through our employee assistance program, we could direct them. And that might be a good approach, Ramona, is to ask our third-party administrator to direct them to try one of the covered uh, yeah. through uh, Aqua JPAA providers, yeah. so if they're available. And I think the closest is in Reno. Yeah, so thank you, Cindy, for that. And that's absolutely right. If the board decides to approve this, then we will start working with our current administrator and then figure out how we roll this out to the employees. So we're not exactly sure. There are other benefits besides counseling. Right now our current program, 
really only provides for counseling. They have financial counseling. They have legal counseling for those employees who are in distress in those areas, as well as the website. That's for any new services. For any new services. We don't know who the employees are. This is completely anonymous when they seek assistance. And that has been the success of this program, that people have not had to talk to their supervisors or their peers about use of this program. It's completely anonymous. All we get from the third-party administrator is a number. It's going to be the third-party administrator who can push them toward use of one of the other counselors or therapists or legal experts. Okay. And then do we know with ACWA, is their cost to provide this service going to fluctuate based on utilization? Because it looks like the district has averaged about $6,000 a year of expense with our current program. And so if, let's say, we transition to this program and two years from now, only providers from ACWA GAPIA are being used, is there a likelihood that our rates are going to go up? Yeah, I can't answer that question. What I do know is it's a fixed rate per year. I imagine that it would be adjusted every year, but I can't imagine by a tremendous amount. Maybe Director Rankins knows. He serves on that committee. Do you know if that will fluctuate? I don't think it's going up in several years. Okay. Okay. And then, Lou, I mean, it sounds like the reason we're considering this is to maintain, for us to maintain the ability to have a member on the executive committee at ACWA. It sounds like that's driving this more than the EAP issue is. Yes. When they acquired the health benefits operation from ACWA, which is the equivalent of the medical plan, they passed a resolution that all members of the executive committee should participate in all insurance offerings. So that's interesting. So ACWA is kind of saying, hey, if you want to maintain a spot on our executive committee, or JPIA is basically telling us if we want to maintain a spot on the executive committee that we need to buy this additional service from them. This is the cheapest thing we can buy. So what do you think the value of a seat on the executive committee is to the district? Well, we had several issues when I was asked to be a representative. And one was we had some very large claims that were the result of the Black Bear Tavern, which is the result of going to court. And we redirected that. So we no longer take it to the legal action. We try to settle. So the executive committee is involved with making decisions for each member entity, not for each member entity, but about how claims are processed for member entities? Correct. So if, for instance, we as a district weren't happy with the fact that ACWA was going to go settle a claim on our behalf and then raise our rates because they settled that claim, 
by having a seat on that committee, we could potentially um, well, we could su suggest that that not happen. Doesn't yeah. mean we can we have any kind of unilateral authority there. Correct. But we would have potentially a stronger seat at the table. Yes. The executive committee sets policy. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't have any further questions. But there is potential to here, probability <coughs> of uh, once we get going, once we get into this, that there's a cost savings from what we're doing now. Potentially, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's, mm -hmm. there is the other justifications, assuming it's a valid in program for our employees yes, and, besides and just what we were just discussing. And the other item that Ramona brought up was there are some additional services with the 24-7 mm -hmm. uh, crisis, crisis line. line as well as financial, financial and, and legal, legal um, uh, counseling. Yeah. counseling. And we're and then they also have a, a pretty detailed online database of, mm -hmm. of, of resources, of resources for employees that are in uh, having some sort of personal or professional crisis. So. Well, that was my concern last month when we first brought this up that it wasn't solely for the purpose mm -hmm. of uh, staying like on the committee. Add something to the Dan's uh, the answer I gave Dan that. Uh, We have at the executive committee directed staff, the, the staff at JPIA, to come up with a, uh, a better model of the insurance programs that we have in each of the workers' comp and liability and property damage, and come up with a, a method of computing it that is more systematic and has has some mathematical uh, logic rather than just creating a reserve. There was too many reserves being in pockets around in the way they were doing it because it was it grew like topsy. <coughs> and so as a result of that, we've received refunds of about a quarter of a million dollars. So by refining the mathematical model. And the other thing we did is put in place uh, uh, succession planning, which we've had to exercise with the new CEO. So before that was not there. And we've got throughout all of the organization succession plans. Okay. And then it sounds like it sounds like it's fair game for us to talk to our third-party administrator. We would let them know we've got this program, mm -hmm. let them know from the district's perspective, that we would prefer to see use of this program or providers within this program. I'm, I imagine what we'll do is we'll write probably up, we'll write something up and discuss it with our third party administrator mm -hmm. and go through how we like to see him administer that. Okay. So we'll, we'll outline something. And then would it be possible to come back in a in a year or two to see if the, the basically the reimbursement that we're currently putting out there. Uh, that, that we're currently providing for employees has actually been reduced because more of the yes, because people are using more. Monitor. We can give you a report yeah. annually on that or quarterly. Or yeah, point. I, I would think once a year would yeah be yeah. adequate. See if we're realizing the okay some cost savings or not. Okay, great. Yeah, I call the motion pending. Any public comment? Okay. Well, we have a.
You had a second. second. No. Oh, didn't we have a Director Henriksen made a, a Okay, well, I'll second. Any more discussion? Hmm. Any public comment on this item? Call for the vote. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Motion carries unanimously. Um, just to advise the public, we're not up here doing our Christmas shopping. <laughs> They're trying to teach us to use tablets to replace these huge binders that we get every month, but it's kind of a, an old dog, new trick thing, so bear with us. Um, item, where are we going? Sewer and Waters under consent calendar. Item G1, Farmer's Market request for use of Commons Beach during shoulder seasons. I think we're getting uh, Carol Arnold on the phone. Yeah, right? we're getting Carol Arnold from Foothill Farmers Market okay. on the phone. So I'm going to let staff give their report. I'm going to do report, comments, go to public comment, and bring it back to the board. Okay. Bob. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, just make sure Carol gets on here real quick. Hi, Carol. Hi, Carol. How are you? Good. We're just about to start the item, and so we're going to uh, go through the discussion and uh, um, staff presentations, and then um, we'll call on you when, as we need you to respond. Hey, Cindy, I'm, I have you up on branches. Okay, perfect. Hi. Thanks, Carol. <laughs> Okay, so good morning. Um, staff is recommending that the Board of Directors uh, approve staff to execute a three-year contract with the Foothill Farmers Market um, for, uh, for providing a farmers market at Commons Beach during the shoulder seasons. Um, the Tahoe City Downtown Association and the uh, Foothill Farmers Market and uh, TCPUD staff met on, in October, and we discussed about how, uh, how the... Uh, market went during the summer of 2012 and what the plans were for the future of the market. Um, at that point, Tahoe City Downtown Association, the market folks and staff at PUD all agreed that the, uh, having the market on shoulder season at Commons and then moving to Tahoe Lake School during the heat of the summer uh, worked out well. At that point, um, we decided it best to bring uh, in front of the board um, a request for this uh, three-year shoulder season at Commons Beach. Um, we agree at staff level that it, that it went pretty well. Um, just a couple of reasons why we're looking at a three-year contract. One is the permit that uh, Foothill Farmers Market has with uh, Tahoe Lake School is a temporary permit through TRPA. So they uh, have one year which they used and then they're uh, able to extend it one more year but then they need to get a permanent permit. And if they go through the time and money to go to get a permanent permit at Tahoe Lake School, they've got to know they've got something to fall back on for the shoulder season in order for that to work. You can't have the market at Tahoe Lake School during the entire season of the market because school's in session. Um, the, the second reason that we'd like to see a three-year contract is just the amount of time on PUD staff every year that this comes up uh, to bring it to board, to bring it to committee, uh, to deal with public comment and, and stuff like that is um, is, is Bur Burnhamson? Burnhamson? <laughs> Sorry, I have a... <laughs> I had a, a surgery on my mouth recently, so I'm having a tough, tough time talking. Um, so anyway, um, we are requesting basically at to the board to approve a three-year contract for the use of Commons Beach on the shoulder season beginning of the summer and for the next three seasons. 
So I'd, 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 I'd open it up just to brief questions from of staff, and then we'll go to public comment. Yeah. No questions, but at the Park and Rec Committee meeting, we had a, a fairly lengthy discussion on this topic, and the Park and Rec Committee recommended to the full board that we approve this three-year agreement. So you may have mentioned that, but I missed it. Yes, and we did have um, one um, business owner there at, at the committee meeting. Who yeah, Lisa, was, Lisa from the store was there. Lisa from the store was was um, objecting to having a market at Common Speech to the, due to the impact it had on her business. Yep. Okay. So we'll open it up to public comment. Uh, please step up to the podium, identify yourself. Who wants to be first? Hearing none, we'll move on. <laughs> Good morning, I'm Jan Briscoe. I'm here uh, representing myself today in this matter, and this matter for me is not about the farmer's market. It's really about commitments and people doing what they say they're going to do. And on November 9th, 2011, after many years of discussions, meetings, observations, and uh, operations, watching the operations, we still have unresolved issues facing local businesses, traffic, and, uh, and at that meeting, and in the minutes of that meeting, it was stated that the PUD board decided that the FFMA, and, and FFMA agreed at that time that the market should be moved to the 64 acres for 2012. At that time and uh, shortly thereafter, um, I made numerous attempts to uh, contact uh, FFMA via email. I left telephone messages for Carol Arnold, none of which were ever uh, responded to or returned. And I have publicly uh, and continuously, and will do so today, offered my consulting services free of charge to assist the FFMA in making the transition by engaging with regulatory agencies, providing permitting assistance, everything up into you know, the, the filing fee, I will and have been offering to provide that assistance as part of the solution and to be compliant with the board's action. When, when you don't get a response from these people who say they're gonna be there for you and work with you all every step of the way, um, it, it feels a little like uh, they had never had any intention of actually following through with that. In fact, I haven't found one shred of evidence where FFMA has taken a single step toward making an application to honor their commitment to this board and to the community. The FFMA back in February and March of this year made a request for one more year at the Commons Beach and as mitigation offered to uh, have the shoulder cease and accommodation which was not perfect. We did not complain because we knew it was just for one more year. We had issues. I have a record of those issues and, and I did not bring them today because that's not really what I'm talking about today. What I want to do is start to look toward the future and a solution. I love the farmers market as I've stated before. I'm a very big supporter of that and will continue to be so regardless of where they're operating uh, with the exception of this common speech property. The, uh, the transition last year was, um, again, uh, uh, that commitment wasn't exactly honored. They started a week late, and so on and so forth. And there was incredible to me when I went up to the school to buy my produce, there were parking monitors on every street practically telling you you couldn't park in the public right-of-way, that you had to go park at one of the 
parking lots or farther away because they wanted to protect the property owners in those in that subdivision you know in the adjacent areas the residents so there was a huge step toward that there were you know and this again is a public right-of-way we're not getting any help on our private property but the public right-of-way was definitely being protected a traffic study was completed uh, and uh, and uh, even manager uh, Gustafson agreed that the 64 acres provides the most street park off street parking it's safer it's larger and the market would make it would make a perfect place for the market's permanent home director Wilkins and and Rankins also stated uh, that they were shocked and upset that this market had not pursued what their commitment was was to the promised actions of finding a permanent home and may even making applications or having discussions and I agree with that I think and I'm not sure I was unable to attend your committee meeting but I'm hoping that at that meeting you uh, exhausted that discussion on how and why they failed to comply with that agreement no applications been filed no administrative remedies have been employed let alone exhausted and we have not come any closer to a conclusion of this matter plain and simple FFMA has failed to do what they said they would do and even worse in my opinion have not even taken attempted action to do so so how can you in good conscience allow this market to spend one more year at the Commons Beach let alone a three-year contract and who knows what might happen with the permit for the school district by allowing them to operate at Commons Beach and if you do so you've sent a clear message to the community and to others including businesses in our area that you don't mean what you say and that bad behavior will be rewarded again not once has anyone from the TCDA the FFMA or the TCPUD bothered at this October meeting to contact those of us who have been most vocal to find out what our concerns have been to find out what we thought of the last year's operation and to come forward with helping us make a a contribution to that effort and I talked to Lisa yesterday she couldn't be here this morning she is very upset and uh, on the verge of tears actually on the phone by saying that she did not feel heard at the committee meeting that she felt that uh, I guess uh, President Friedman uh, told her that I hadn't uh, that I was in the neighborhood and why didn't I offer to help which I have offered to help Judy just to be clear on that and um, again I offer my services to FFMA to TCDA. Thank you for listening. Judy, can I get one clarification? So, so Jan, you said you were speaking on behalf of yourself, but you use the term us and we a lot. So are you representing yourself or are you representing other business owners well, with your I'm, comments? I'm, as a business owner, I'm a business owner, I'm a manager of a property, I'm representing myself today. You're representing yourself, okay. As a business okay. owner and a community member. Okay. Okay, just wanted to clarify that. Sure. Additional comments? Hi, my name is Kristen Hanna. I'm the Vice President of the Tahoe City Downtown Association. Um, you have in your board packet our letter of support for this year's plan. And um, it is a bummer when you don't get an email back. Um, I was CC'd on an email that our Executive Director, Steve Hope, sent to Lisa and Jan and Johnny B, as well as other concerned parties, 
on November Kristen, 16th. Can I ask you to speak up just a bit? Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> um, on November 16th, that letter did not receive any response from those parties. So on November 27th, we go ahead. We went ahead and drafted our letter of support that you find in your board packets. Um, I've been a personal fan of the market since I ran across Highway 28 as a small child to go to it at the Watermelon Patch. So I understand its need for public safety, and I think that having it in town where we have crosswalks is very helpful. Sometimes those cause traffic. That's the price we pay for not running across the highway. Um, and I've also been proud to lead the charge on the um, Farm to Table event that I've partnered with Douglas on. We've spent hundreds of hours raising money to pay for all these studies um, that could have gone towards something more sustainable and healthy. Partnered with the market. So, thank you. Any other comments? John Walsh. I'm a business owner, a chiropractor in town. I have helped with the Foothills Farmers Market and with the Farm to Table. And last year, actually had the joy of helping a friend as one of the vendors. I know this issue keeps getting beat up, but it's one of those things where the word on the street is to try and get this community to work together, make it approachable by tourism and by locals to both have a good time, walk around town, and I drove around uh, with Carol, and we looked at all the sites, and being a local born and raised up here, is there's certain things you know without looking at traffic studies whether or not they're going to work, and 64 acres doesn't work that well because they don't have consistent running water, they only have porta potties, things like that, turning on left onto uh, 89 isn't going to be super easy either. So we did go around and really address issues of how it would work. And I think that the uh, Commons Beach attracts, and if you could hear the people speak that come into town for the first time, run into the market by accident, I think it's probably one of the most beautiful, <coughs> enjoyable times for their families and their kids. Uh, with everything down there, the swing sets, all the above, and it makes Tall City look good. And I think Everybody has it in their heart right now to have Tall City look as good as it is because yesterday or two days ago I'm riding down the Funatel and you hear people talk about Tall City's dead, Tall City's bankrupt, Tall City's a dying town, people are renting out the Vale Associates. It's, it's hard to hear that when you grow up here. And the farmer's market brings in at least an aspect of some enjoyment that everybody likes. The traffic situation, absolutely. July 5th was a nightmare. It backed all the way up to uh, Dollar Hill. Farmer's market fault. July 6th, it backed all the way up to Dollar Hill. Whose fault was that? Oh, cities? I mean, so the traffic situation, the parking situation in the summer, there's nothing you can do about it. Tall City's always had it. I think that last year, people were okay, and including the vendors, as far as moving in the shoulder season. Uh, there were issues at the school. There's issues at Commons Beach. There's issues everywhere. So where it stands now, I think, is it flowed well enough that I, everybody was at least cordial enough and worked well enough together 
to be able to present something again that Tahoe City needs, Tahoe City deserves, and if it keeps getting moved around and pushed in the back, and it, it, it's just going to be another black eye for Tahoe City. And I think you guys really need to understand that, yes, there are some businesses that it may affect, but there's a hundred other businesses that it helps. Just moving it from Commons Beach to the school affected one business because people weren't walking by as close to that business. Parking and all that, everybody is working their best to do it. Douglas gave up spots. I mean, people that have businesses that don't start till three in the afternoon, I'm sure would be willing to give up spots if that's the issue. And just having the flow of what Tile City can offer, people come out of Truckee, out of Incline. Some ladies even come over from Reno because at that one farmer's market in Tile City, it offers more than anyone in Truckee, even down in Sparks. And again, it brings people into Tile City and it casts a much, much better picture for our town that right now continually everyone thinks is dying and bankrupt and and so you guys as a board that are managing this city as a PUD and not an incorporated city, I think, really do owe it to the community to show us that you do care about what us locals think about, what we pay for our taxes, and what we appreciate. And it is one day a week. And the traffic in the summer, is, it's never going to change, no matter if there's a farmer's market or not. So please uh, put it through for three years. That would be great. Thank you. Thanks, John. Hi, Monica Grigolite. I manage the Cobblestone Shopping Center. Um, I second everything that John has said. So working with a lot of people whose livelihood really is from tourism, and Tahoe City has always been tourism. I grew up here, too. You know, we, Cobblestone used to have a really bad reputation. You know, nobody wanted to be at the Cobblestone. We, we were the bad name in town. We, we, we charged too much. And it took us a long time to turn that image around and make people realize, you know, that we tried to work with everybody. And I feel like Thomas City has the same problem going, that we really need to keep a lot of events in Thomas City all the time so that Thomas City doesn't have this image that we're dying. I hear the same thing too. People will come up to me and they go, well, Tal City's just dying, isn't it? What do you guys, how do you guys survive in there? And it's that image that I feel like whatever we bring to town, whether it's farmer's markets, the concerts, um, the wine walks, whatever we can do for Tahoe City that generates a vibrancy is to me a good thing. And all my retail tenants, they like it when the uh, farmer's market was on the beach. And I have several of them where their sales actually declines when the farmer's market goes up to the school. So if, they, if we had our choice, we would like to keep it at the beach all summer. But, you know, to help out some of the people in the community where it's a little bit harder for them, the split does work. Um, and we support it, we give parking for it, and you know, and to let it go away because a couple people have an issue with it is really a sad thing. And I'm sorry that Lisa ended up in a little space where there's no parking for her period,
but it shouldn't be decided on by one or two people. It really needs to be considered as a really good event for Tahoe City. And the more that we can create that vibrancy, the better. So anyway, John and I are really in unison on that one. I feel like we need to get rid of our image of dying. Please. Mary Cushing, frequent shopper at Farmer's Market. Is there a way to make everyone happy? Is it possible? I understand Lisa's um, complaints. She is a stop-in, get a copy, and get out of there. She's got <coughs> business people that are in a hurry. Um, is it possible to reserve spots in front of her business and say, parking for the store only? And I don't know what other businesses um, are not happy with it being in town, but is that possible to reserve spots for her? Because she's the only one I've heard is having problems. Thank you. And we'll, we'll answer your question when public comment is closed. Anything else? Any other public comment? Any comments from any? This is a sincere request for public comment. Hearing none, I'm going to close public comment. I'm going to give it to the general manager and then open it up to the board. Thank you, Judy. I, I just wanted to, <clears throat> again, tell you that staff um, strongly supports uh, moving forward on a three-year uh, basis. Again, with the understanding that what you're being asked for today is not all the solutions to farmers' market, but what you are being asked for is can we make Commons Beach available in the shoulder seasons and commit to that for the next three years. Um, and I want to reiterate that because there's been a lot of discussion and it has been raised with us not only here this morning but at the Park and Rec Committee and to several people to me personally, why haven't you looked at other things, other sites? Uh, this compromise was a struggle from that November meeting, as you know, to last February's motion on your behalf to try it for one year to see if the compromise worked. We at staff level, uh, myself personally, using the market, talking to a lot of vendors and also talking to uh, uh, TCDA to do outreach, felt that it worked well. And before we pushed people to say you should study other locations or not, because that's quite an investment of time and energy, we thought we should bring it to the board for this hearing today. They, uh, the farmers approached us back in October, right at the conclusion of the market. Uh, TCDA farmers and uh, our staff, Bob, attended a meeting, made the decision to make to go out and solicit feedback from those that had been troubled by the market in the past. And it was after that was done that I recommended we go ahead and take it to committee and now this morning to the board. So um, I, I want to stand behind Bob on this recommendation to you and make sure it's clear that that is where we're at. Okay. <clears throat> Board. All right. Well, Lisa, I can start. Go ahead. There was one question too. Ah, uh, yeah. Do you want to uh, direct the question about uh, uh, um, reserving parking specifically? Uh, that's up to store. the board. I mean, that's staff time, and our job of we currently right now put out signs uh, no, to no. tell people not to park. Yeah, but, but I would but, say that's part of the board's direction. Yeah, yeah but but the issue, I think, I think the. Parking spaces that we're being referred to are 
the ones that are on the street, which are actually in the Caltrans right-of-way, which is public right-of-way, which means those spaces are open to the public. They can't be reserved for any private party. So, so I don't think that is an option to try to reserve public spaces. My understanding is the permit with TRPA required uh, no, not to have to block any homes. So I think that, Carol, is that correct? Part of your permit uh, for the parking at Tahoe Lake School was <clears throat> not to park on the street and block homes? So that was part of their TRPA permit relative to um, that location. Right, and there's a slight difference in that there's a residential mm -hmm. neighborhood spillover parking there as compared to commercial activity in, in a commercial area and commercial parking. There's a different dynamic there. So, Does that answer your question? Go ahead. And I was going to say, and it's a different request to reserve parking within the public right-of-way than prohibit parking within the public right-of-way. Uh, which is something that can't happen. So, right. Go ahead. Um, last year when we allowed it for one more year, the farmer, is my understanding, the farmer's market, we're going to look for other solutions for a permanent location. And it sounds to me that this one worked well, so this is the one they wanted. It's, mm -hmm. not, like, it's not like they went out and did any research or asked anybody anything for any alternative sites. And I've seen the farmer's market when it was up in the highlands. I mean, at the watermelon patch. People go to the farmer's market wherever it is. And to me, a nice permanent location would be the 64 acres. But you just, probably that's not going to happen this, this summer. Mm -hmm. um, I like the farmer's market. I don't want to kill the farmer's market. I would suggest as a compromise maybe one more year to look at these other places, I am not at all in favor of just because we want it and we haven't looked at any other alternatives. That's the that's the solution we're going to have. And so, until they've you know looked at all the places and they're honest, there's been talk of a, a traffic study. I haven't seen it. You know, you raise money from from uh, you know, and it's not just Lisa that's not happy with parking situation in town. I mean, <coughs> Jim Henderson, I know I get an earful from my mom down the street and Swigarts, and there's a lot of people that have a problem with the parking. And, you know, I experience the, the traffic delay on Thursdays all summer. And this year it was better, but I think there weren't very many people in town this year. I think the economy has slowed down the traffic. I've been able to pull out on streets easy. It's like really old Tahoe, and some people, that's a, that's a death nail to them, but to me, it's really kind of a nice convenience. But anyway, until they look for all the places, you know, the church down there, Catholic Church, the 64 acres, there's, there's a few places down in town. It's still Tahoe City. Even if it's at the school, it's still Tahoe City. If it's, a, if it's at the 64 acres, it's in Tahoe City. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that, but that's my, that's my sentiment. Yeah. Okay, I had, a, I had some information I, I, I failed to address. If, do you want me to address, um, follow up on uh, the other location? 
because Jan was correct, I did suggest that 64 acres was a very strong potential, um, and there was some a fair amount of work uh, that Gordon Shaw did looking both at the layout of what that might mean as well as uh, the parking counts. Um, Bob yesterday spoke with Gordon and, and has some information on that. Uh, I also had talked uh, several times with Supervisor Montgomery about the use of, because the county is the operator of the transit center, and I believe she's also talked to Director Friedman. So um, Bob maybe can report on what was done on the 64 acres and Ms. Freedom. So yeah, I did talk to Gordon Shaw. In uh, September <coughs> of 2011, um, the TCPUD started heading down this path of looking at the 64-acre site um, before we got direction from the board to uh, pretty much cease looking into uh, and put it, put it on the market and the, and the town <coughs> association. But we did hire uh, Gordon Shaw from LSC. He came out and did counts at the uh, current Commons Beach market um, during, uh, during that uh, September uh, time. And then he went and did counts and traffic studies parking studies at the 64 acres during the same time. Uh, in the phone conversation I had with him yesterday, he's saying there's really not a traffic issue as much as there is a parking issue. He, what he said was that if you, had the, if you had the market on the current recreational parking at 64 acres, that would take up that whole parking area. So the, that, that parking then would have to, and from his counts, then be moved somewhere, which we assume would then be the transit center, okay? So all that recreational parking, which is pretty full during market time, would be moved to the transit center, and then there wouldn't be enough parking for people to come to the market, along with all the other parking that goes for the people that are rafting, using the park, et cetera. So, so it was really looked at by Gordon as not doable uh, due to the parking issues from the, um, from the initial studies he, he did on, on, on traffic and parking. So in addition to the traffic study that was done, I actually had a conversation with Supervisor Montgomery, who couldn't be here today, has allowed me to use her name for her remarks, which are that the county has investigated the 64-acre site and determined that it's not usable because of, number one, the, the uh, issues that, that Bob states having to do with parking and the transit center and there not being enough parking to accommodate both. Secondly, because of uh, Department of Health regulations, I guess, that require farmer's market to be held on a paved surface, um, which also there just is not enough space there to do that and accommodate the parking and accommodate the parking for the use of the transit center. So for those reasons, Why? Supervisor Montgomery says, and there needs to be water um, available for the market, so for all those reasons, the county has determined that they're not going to investigate 64 acres anymore because they have said it's not a viable site. So there has been some investigation done, and that's the result, as I've been told. So we'll continue with director's comments. Go ahead. Yeah, so from my perspective, it's not our responsibility to look at site A or site B or site C for the farmer's market. It's our responsibility to decide whether a piece of property that we manage is available for all or part of the season for farmer's market. <clears throat> so, you know, last year in November, we had, after we'd had a prior year of a lot of discussion about, you know, impacts to businesses, focus on the, on the busy season. Uh, I was upset that the farmer's market hadn't, uh, in my opinion, 
done an adequate job of evaluating other sites before coming to us and requesting to use our uh, property. And uh, I said so at, at this, sitting right at this seat. What happened after that was uh, the farmer's market did some additional subsequent work. Uh, the item came back to the board and I think Director Henriksen made a motion to tell Farmer's Market that, that uh, Commons Beach was not available at all last summer. Um, that motion ultimately didn't carry. I made a motion that we make it available during the, during the shoulder seasons, let the Farmer's Market go figure out what they were going to do during the prime time, because uh, I saw that as, as being a reasonable uh, compromise for the PUD to take as it relates to the use of our property for the farmer's market. Didn't put us in a position where we're trying to cite the farmer's market. It just uh, put us in a position where we were trying to balance uh, one side of the business community that was requesting it be a Commons Beach all year long. The users of the market who were consistently requesting that it be a Commons Beach all year long. And the other sector of the business community who was concerned about the impacts that they were receiving uh, from the market, primarily related to spillover parking with that feedback really being focused on the prime season, which is when school was out of session. So from my perspective, uh, when we made the decision to go with the shoulder season, evaluate it for a year, I had no expectation that the farmers, I personally did not have any expectation at the time I uh, made that motion that the farmers needed to go out and spend a whole lot of time evaluating other sites. Um, they're they're back they're back requesting now. Gee, can we use the 64 acres site for the next three years? I'm in support of that. No, Commons Beach site. Excuse me, Commons Beach site. <laughs> Slip of the tongue there. Um, I'm in support of that, and you know, if the rest of the board isn't, this would be the time to let the farmers know so they can go try to figure out. They go do more robust. Uh, work to find other locations, but you know, I, I think this is a reasonable approach. I think we spent uh, far too much time on this <coughs> issue uh, as a district board and staff over the years, and uh, I think we should uh, go with a three-year agreement and, and move on. Okay. <clears throat> I think Dan um, summed it up and uh, uh, reported I think how we've gotten to where we are, I uh, appreciate that. Um, I, I will add that um, I have one of the illustrious opportunities here to put money out so that we have CHP in town in the summer. And for the last couple of years, but particularly last year, they have suggested that we shorten the, their stay in town uh, by a week or so, that they feel the last couple of weeks that they um, participate, or not the last couple, but the last week and the first week that they participate, there really is not the level of traffic that warrants them to be out there and they feel they sometimes cause a slowing down when there isn't that. And that would be the, the right now they go up to Labor Day, so that's one week after they've moved back to, or two weeks after they've moved back to the Commons Beach. And um, uh, the one week before they moved to Tahoe Lake School. So that's something we're looking at now as to whether to shorten that um, 
amount of time. I don't think we'll do it this year. I think I'm, I'm just chuckling because it seems that by Labor Day they're just getting the hang of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, anyway, so that the traffic has slowed down. Um, I, I also agree that that middle of the summer is not uh, the PUD's responsibility. I'm not sure whose it is because in any other town in this state and in this county, um, the towns are out saying, please come and be in our town with this type of a, a function. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't believe it is the utility district's um, responsibility for that portion. And so if, if they've found this farmer's market and the school district uh, that that's worked there um, in that spot, I think our, our use of the shoulder districts, uh, the shoulder times of Commons Beach is and will continue to be. In fact, I think that's one of the biggest days for beach use, actually, is uh, for people on the beach and on the commons is when it's in conjunction with attending the farmer's market. So it, it is a function that's uh, desirable. Dr. Rankin? Well, I haven't seen any traffic studies with respect to the impact on the shoulder season. So I lean towards uh, the compromise. But uh, I do suggest that they get busy, and that doesn't mean it's going to be approved three years from now. You know, economy recovers, there'll be more people here. Mm -hmm. So we'll still have an ongoing problem. And the question is, are they going to mm -hmm. do their homework and present us with some viable option, options? And I'm not very optimistic on the farmer's market performing in that sense. So, 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 so I'd, I'd make a... Can I just make a couple comments? Okay. I'm sorry. I was hoping to make a motion. Uh, yeah, no. I just, I just wanted to um, say in response to some of the public comment that I actually have spoken with a lot of the business owners recently. There are letters in the packet. There's another letter um, that was distributed this morning, an email from Jimmy Williamson. Um, I have spoken with some of the uh, business owners who have been most vocal about this project. And they seem to feel unanimously nobody nobody said that compromise didn't work for me there were some grumblings about what has farmers market done what haven't they done i agree with director wilkins i don't know that that's really our concern our concern is use of the beach but um the business community and I, again i've spoken with those who were very vocally <coughs> opposed to the compromise last year, and when you nail it down, they say, yeah, I think it worked. So I just wanted to throw that out there during our deliberation. Go ahead. Thanks. I'm sorry for... It's okay. Sorry for being rude a minute ago. You were <laughs> So I'd like to make a motion that we direct uh, staff to execute a three-year contract with the Foothill Farmers Market uh, based on the terms of the 2012 contract and uh, with that allows use of the... Uh, Commons Beach during the shoulder seasons, which are, I think, defined as those Thursdays that are outside of the time period that school is in session. Okay, so second. Second. Okay. Um, any discussion on the motion? Um, I have a comment. I think that, yes, Dan, what 
our, our main focus is on what we own and how we what we manage in the in the commons beach is that resource and I think the impacts that, that of allowing a use down at the farmers market or the use of the farmers market for commons beach impacts traffic impacts the people that want to go to the beach just for the beach. Mm -hmm. They don't want to go to the farmer's market if they want to go down to go play in the sun and take the kids down and use the playground. For all intents and purposes, Thursday's not the day. It's too far to carry your kids and your towels and your buckets and all your beach toys and, and take it down there. So I think, you know, in that, that aspect with the traffic and the use of the Commons Beach, I mean, I can support it for another year because I know they haven't done their homework and it's probably not um, a very um, easy solution to uh, solve right at the moment, but I think that just because they like it, we ask a few people. I mean, they're just taking. I haven't seen this study, and, and for sure in the study, if it says that parking is deficient, that's the biggest element. You know, it, it has that part. That aspect hasn't been solved. So, I they promised one thing, they didn't deliver, and that's. I can't support so it's just, can, I, can I ask, excuse me, can I ask, you made the comment there, you know they haven't done their homework. What does that mean? Well, they haven't applied. They haven't made a written application and it's handed to the Forest Service. Can we use this for, you know? And it's not hard to put some water in there or some porta potties. It's not that hard, right? you know? So, I mean, you can do that. It's not, that shouldn't be the only reason they, they can't go to the 64 acres. You know, well, we, we don't know. I mean, you, well, Jennifer, my friend, well, we talked about it, and, you know, that's not feasible. Well, make an application. Do it makes, show me some sincere effort. I don't see it. I see, well, we like this, this worked. <laughs> so, um, well, I, I think, and, and that's what I tried to say uh, earlier, Eric, yesterday when we spoke, and then after talking to Bob, um, and to address your concerns that you raised with me yesterday. Um, I went back and looked at the minutes as well in the motion from last year. You're right, in November there was discussion, but that discussion did not end in November, as you know. It came back to this board, I think, in December, January, and finally February again. And at the end, the motion didn't require farmers to do anything mm -hmm. else. Um, when farmers started, came to us again this year and said, we want to be ahead of the game, in October they asked, can we continue this? And we said solicit some input from the concerned property owners as to how it went. They did that part. That's the only thing I asked them for. And then I said I would support taking it to the board and seeing how the board and the community felt about whether we should, whether they should spend more money. Just like any other business, why would you go spend money studying alternatives if you have what you think is a successful compromise? And it is a compromise. There's no doubt this community has not is not unanimous in this we have uh, since 2004 been working on this uh, compromise and we've been getting it i think better almost every year um but it's not perfect it is a compromise and that's why i'm standing behind it because i i think so much of my job in public policy is bringing together diverse groups and coming to a compromise um, but i think to be fair to to farmers I hear a couple board members at least suggesting they want further work done, and I think that discussion should, for staff's purposes in the community, we should make a decision if we're going to uh, request that or not, because I think right now what's on the table, the motion doesn't require it, but there's discussion and assumptions, and I think that's how we get into yeah. 
miscommunication and then maybe farmers isn't clear or the community is not clear what we want from them. So I'd really urge the board to try to be real clear about that. Yeah, so my motion did not include a request for any further analysis for a reason and it's because I don't need any further analysis. I'm not expecting further review. I'm comfortable with the situation for the next three years and that's where I'm at. I just want to ask you the same question that when I was talking to some of the business owners who had been opposed to farmers market being at the Beecher Law. And I asked them and actually this came up recently during the campaign. The compromise though, I think you said that you felt the compromise worked well. It was working well for the test year. I mean for that last year it worked okay. But I wanted to see if other solutions would be investigated. That was my understanding of allowing it to work for that one year. And I think that was even what Jan Briscoe, not exactly what you said, but what Jan Briscoe said was her concern was not following through with what had been said or she felt had been said the farmers market or TCDA were going to do, not whether or not the program worked the way it was last summer. So I just want to make it really clear that what we're talking about doesn't include us having an expectation of farmers market. That's what the motion is. If there's no further discussion, I'll call the question. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? No. Motion carries. Okay. Thank you for your time today everybody. Thank you everybody for coming. Don't feel you have to rush off. Listen to your concerns. We have more fascinating things to discuss if you'd like to stay. The next item on the agenda is the contract with Sierra State Parks Foundation. Thank you, Carol. Thanks, Carol. Staff is recommending the board approve a $3,000 contribution for the acquisition of a cross-country ski grooming machine by the Sierra State Parks Foundation and authorize staff and legal counsel to negotiate a simple contract with SSPF for expenditure of these funds to ensure that the trails are open and groomed for public use. So Rob Weston approached staff recently with this request to help with the grooming of the 1960 Olympic ski trails and he has solicited donations from other resources and is asking us for a $3,000 contribution to that. We do agree at the staff level that any additional winter recreational opportunities are within our mission and the scope of the services that we provide. As far as the fiscal impact, we are under budget this year in 2012 within the parks budget pretty significantly and we feel that we could absorb that within our 2012 budget. And also I want to, we don't have the draft contract in here. We have presented it to Sierra State Parks Foundation. Heidi Doyle, the new executive director of Sierra State Parks Foundation is here. 
Um, but you would authorize staff and legal counsel to negotiate that contract, make sure the terms are consistent with what we require of other organizations as we move forward for that contribution. Um, so we have not had time. Uh, we expedited this request um, from the Park and Rec Committee last week where Rob appeared uh, under public forum to make the request. And uh, so we hope to be able to get back to you with a final contract soon. But we'd like authorization to proceed with it. Um, and trusting staff and legal counsel to iron out the exact terms of the agreement. So before we open it up, are there any questions of staff? Yeah, is, is the vehicle going to be used for grooming the 1960 um, trails? That's what it's for? Yes, sir. Um, it's a, okay, uh, so we'll open it up to the public. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Weston. Good morning, Rob Weston, uh, representing myself and also the Olympic Trails Restoration Committee. So the machine that we're purchasing was used by Spinner Cross Country. And unfortunately, Spinner Cross Country didn't renew their contract with the state of Nevada, which was good for us. It, it enabled this machine to become available to us. And since Max Jones, the owner of Spinner Cross Country, um, has been in the business for about 20 some odd years and supports cross country skiing, when he heard of our request from the West Shore, from the Olympic Trails Restoration Committee, he was uh, very supportive and uh, gave us a good break in the price of the machine and um, has actually let us take the machine prior to the finish even paying for it. The machine is an LMC 1800. It's a 19, uh, pardon me, it's a 2000 machine, 1999 machine, pardon me. It only has about 7,000 hours. It's in uh, perfect condition. He bought it brand new and he's maintained it and we have all the records and all the extra parts and so on and so forth. And Homewood Mountain Resort has committed to um, uh, their uh, main mechanic uh, to uh, take care of the machine, and we're working with Sierra State Parks Foundation for and uh, you know for um, uh, taking over the uh, uh, liability of the machine, and that West Shore Sports is going to pay for the liability insurance. So that's kind of uh, just a quick overview. So uh, anyway, this machine is uh, something that will groom. To answer your question directly, Eric, will groom all the trails. Um, it's only nine feet wide, so it'll go across the bridges at Sugar Pine Point State Park, which has been a problem we've had for years, either by having a, a machine that was either broken or inadequate or too wide, you know, for those bridges. Um, the long-range goal is to actually be able to groom up the West Shore and connect eventually with Homewood, which is why Homewood's supporting the project also. And uh, we've worked with your, your agency before, where you've worked with Homewood to actually clear some of the area where the trail would go, which connected the original trails between McKinney Creek and General Creek, which is where all the Olympic trails were. And uh, we've also worked with CTC, and uh, we're trying to put together a community foundation underneath the umbrella of Sarah State Parks Foundation to, to, to get this uh, system up and running again. So it's, it's a multi-year project. But this, this Just to be phase. clear, title's going to be held. What Twice. we're being asked to consider mm -hmm. is helping to fund Sierra State Parks yes. Foundation's purchase. Yes. Okay, thank you. And they're going to hold title. Okay. And Heidi can address some of those questions. Okay. I'm sorry. to. <clears throat> this should have been something I probably asked beforehand. But I thought the discussion or the thought had been whether we're buying equipment or providing money to support this recreational program of which some of the expenses are to buy the equipment? You know, I've had, um, I think originally uh, when I talked to you, um, Ron, I uh, suggested that we could do it either way. 
and I wasn't sure which way to do it, had some additional feedback and conversations with our legal counsel, and we felt comfortable that we could contribute to the acquisition of the piece of equipment. But okay. they, they would, or we could contribute to the operation either way. I mean, if you want to limit it to one or the other. Okay. I, I think directors had differing opinions on this. Okay. Well, then I, I'd like to ask a couple follow-up questions. Um, and, and one would be, what's the status of the Sierra State Park Foundation with California State Parks? Are we in the fold finally here? In, in oh, okay. Hi, my name's Heidi Doyle. I'm the um, Executive Director of the Sierra State Parks Foundation, second week on the job. So um, <laughs> thank you very much for to do that. Um, the Sierra State Parks Foundation is a legal nonprofit that has a contract with the State of California to support the local Tahoe, Truckee area of California State Parks. The organization is vibrant. We have a strong board of directors of six pillars of our um, community. Um, right now, Ron is a former um, director, for which I thank you for that. Um, we, um, they're in a strong financial um, position right now, able to bring on a board of director to bring it to um, the next level of support. What's not in a good position right now are the finances of California State Parks. They're not in a position to purchase nor maintain grooming equipment, and yet it's into the best interests of um, the local Tahoe Truckee community to um, engage our community and our visitors in outdoor recreation, snow sports in particular, and our Olympic heritage specifically. So um, the board of directors supports the purchase of a grooming machine with um, and, and the operation of this grooming machine on state park property. Thank you. And then my, my last one then, in, in doing this for the purpose of buying mm -hmm. this piece of equipment, does that and will that or can that remain the property of Sierra State Parks Foundation and not go to the state of California? That's the whole intent of this program that we're working right now. So the Sierra State Parks Foundation um, will be sole, sole owners of this machine and we will have control of that piece of property. Thank I'll buy you. it. We do have an agreement. We will have agreement with the state of California for the storage of the machine, the usage of the machine, and the expectations of that use. Thank you very much, Heidi. And either way that this goes, I'm in support of a, this recreational program on the, uh, on the West Shore um, and for whatever the money goes to as long as it's for promoting and allowing the recreational program through equipment or whatever. If I could just add, the uh, draft agreement that we've presented, we haven't received any formal feedback yet, uh, was in the form of a funding agreement whereby the district would agree to fund um, the foundation with $3,000 for the purpose of acquiring this machine, and the quid pro quo for that acquisition and funding is that the foundation agrees to um, groom the ski trails for the 2012-2013 season at a minimum, and that those trails would then be open to the public at no charge other than the uh, regular day charge that the, that the uh, park charges for any day user. So, so there's, a, there's, a, there's a quid pro quo for this agreement. You know, the funding is provided on the condition that trails be made open and available to the public, and that is within the mission of the district to provide recreational uh, facilities and opportunities. And that fee is parking, is that right? That's parking fee, and our board of directors is in agreement with, with what exactly what you've talked about. 
And Take our it. amount of money is a small percentage of the money that's being required to do this program. And that, by the that's way. correct. The, um, the total cost machine was fifteen five, fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, and I supported that. Also, it wasn't really clear. I was for for a minute. I was thinking, well, could we use it on the golf course for green? <laughs> so, I mean, so in case you don't want to have it anymore, we might. He has a second machine available, by the way. I know you're, We'll, we'll take that up at another time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet. Thank you. Okay, well, I just, you know, it wasn't clear. I just wanted to ask the question, well, and I'm supportive of it. Too. Yeah, I have <clears throat> some question to Steve <clears throat> here because this shows we're making a $3,000 contribution. That's a gift of public funds. And we're not supposed to do that. Should this, should this be a grant that we're making? The, the, the staff report says contribution. The agreement, as I just described, has a quid pro quo. So it's, it's not a gift. We're not just providing the $3,000 without any, without any obligation of the foundation. The obligation of the foundation is to groom the trails, make them available to the public at no charge other than the, the day parking fee charged to all day users of the park. And you're, you're satisfied with the risk management clauses that you have in your agreement? Short answer, yes. Um, we chatted about this a little bit earlier. Yeah. Yes, could, could the district be sued if should there be an accident out there? And my response was, I, you know. Always. We can always be sued for anything by anybody, but I, I, I believe that the uh, chances of that are fairly remote and that uh, we have uh, requested an indemnity hold harmless um, provision in there that would have the, the foundation uh, indemnify, defend, and hold the district harmless against any claims, lawsuits, et cetera, based on their acquisition, use, uh, operation of the equipment. Should we be named as an additional insured? We, we have not requested that uh, because my, my thought was that, that, you know, we're not anywhere in the chain of title of this. We are, we are one component of uh, one funding agent, if you will. Um, and I thought to draw us closer to the foundation and to this piece of equipment by being named as an additional insured may create more of a relationship um, than I think we, we really intend to have. So, yeah, I'm in support of this item too. Yeah, when this was brought up at the Park and Rec Committee, it was under public comment, so there wasn't an ability for the Park and Rec Committee to um, you know, provide a recommendation as it wasn't an agendized item. Judy had brought up some um, topics as it relates to the source of the funding from the district, and uh, that's probably worth talking about. And I'll, I'll try not to speak for you, Judy, no, in terms fine. of what you brought up. But. Um, what I uh, brought up was that the district currently funds some events on the West Shore. Um, one of them is we provide the insurance for the splash in, which was part of opening day at the lake that I 
may or may not be again this year. So that's one event. The other one was that we used to uh, give $1,000 to the Mark Twain event, which has now turned into a, a jazz event. And on other events, we usually somehow partner or are reimbursed. I mean, concerts at the beach were reimbursed. And then there's also an expectation, I think, of use of our stage. So there's, you know, when we look at, at different areas of expenditures, that is one. What I've learned since then is that, um, and I'll let Bob explain those better, but what I've learned since then is that the expended, this $3,000 is surplus from the previous budget. And moving forward, the events that we've been funding, uh, we'll, we're going to need to maybe make a more formalized agreement for, or at least have them come to us and actually formally request the money. But I'll let you talk about that a little bit. Uh, and, and I'll jump in, Bob, because he's looking like I'm not sure. Um, that's correct. First off, the surplus. We're, we're proposing these funds come from the surplus, as Bob said earlier. But secondly, I did uh, follow up on Director Friedman's concerns. Um, uh, with the West Shore Association, sent an email to two of their uh, board members suggesting we meet after the holidays and create a more formal uh, relationship. We have not required additional insurance, additionally insured. We've given uh, funds for various events, and we need to formalize those agreements um, in a more meaningful way and have them come through a, a formalized procedure to the board, to the Park and Rec Committee, and then to the board to request those funds. Um, and, and the issue, uh, I think that when we originated the West Shore Association contributions, it was to support special events on the West Shore similar to what we were doing with Common Speech Concerts. Common Speech Concerts long ago became self-sustaining. We are funded fully for our staff time and no longer are out of pocket for those. So I think um, in my email to those board members, I suggested that we'd want to see a plan to make the, their events self-sustaining. But that's separate and apart mm -hmm. from this request today. This is not the West Shore Association. This is the Sugar Pine Points, I mean, sorry, State Parks Foundation and uh, right. members of the Olympic Trails Committee. It. It's a big $5,000 so. request originally, and, and, and it's not. Okay. Yeah. So I would I'd make a motion that we authorize staff to enter into an agreement with the Sierra State Parks Foundation to get the trails down at Chicago Point State Park room this winter. Second. Yeah. Oh. Yes. <laughs> it absolutely is. Tommy Black, resident of West Shore, actually neighbors to Sugar Pine State Park. The trails being groomed are um, amazing. When it's open to the public, people use them um, daily. Uh, my concern is who's going to be operating this machine. Is it the state park or is it the Sierra State Park? Because a couple of years ago, the state park did destroy one of their grooming equipment. That's why there's not a grooming you know, equipment available. Um, from what I've heard, the state park, I thought the state park was going to be the operator, and I'm just concerned that the same, same issues will occur again because of lack of um, experience with the machine. That's all. Okay, thank you. 
I certainly didn't mean to slight public comment time, but we'll let you know. Sure. There are concerns, and I understand them. Certainly, uh, we don't want to have the machinery getting broken. Um, the machinery we were using was a 1993 Tucker Snowcat. And not to get real technical, but the uh, the grousers, the tracks, they're called grousers. The tracks are more like a, like on a sled runner, and they have no cross bracing on them. And the driver at the time was going into a section on the red trail where it was quite icy and a very slight off-hill, off-camber situation. And uh, he had no idea there was ice underneath the snow because how would you know that? And this section where he was on had some water flow, which created the ice under the snow. And the minute he hit that, again, these runners or these grousers on this machine allowed the machine to slide sideways. There was nothing he could do about that. This new machine that we're purchasing is a modern machine, and what they do now on the grousers, they put uh, cross braces on those uh, tracks. So the machines, while they can crab sideways, left and right to a degree, they can't slide and totally slide away. And this is something that's uh, come into the snow grooming um, industry, I guess I'd call it that. And of course, it's used on the machinery for grooming major ski areas. And uh, it prevents the machine from sliding sideways very far. It'll slide a little bit, but it'll stop because there's cross braces on each one of those treads. Where the machine that we're using, the 93 trucker, didn't have that. Um, so, anyway, the good news is that we were able to rescue that machine and reconstruct it, and that machine's up and running. And we plan to use that machine as a backup machine for the blue trail area, which is the flat area where the campground is. There's three trails at Sugar Pine Point State Park, without getting too lengthy on this. The blue trail is in the campground area, which is flat. The red trail is the trail we have a problem, where it's quite hilly, and that's why I mentioned in the comment about where your new golf course facility would be fairly flat, like the blue trail area, a little easier to groom. The red trail is quite um, uh, intense, and it's quite hilly and we have those narrow bridges. And again, we bought this new machine because it's narrow enough to go across those. And then there's a green trail that heads back towards the entrance to uh, uh, the day use area. So those are the three trails, red, blue, and green. Uh, we don't feel we'll compete with Tahoe Cross Country, where they've got a plethora of trails. Uh, we can't really do uh, skating grooming because there's just not enough width on those trails. And the whole reason to do this system really is just to um, keep the Olympic trails um, vibrant, alive from 1960. Uh, everyone knows Squaw Valley hosted the Olympics, but a lot of folks don't realize that the Olympic events were held, the cross country events were held at Sugarpine. So that's part of it as well to keep that whole thing going. Anyway, uh, from a driving standpoint, it currently would be the same two drivers. Myself, I wasn't driving the machine at the time, and the other gentleman is a, a former state parks employee. We've been driving for six years. That's really the only accident we've had. It didn't involve any people, and unfortunately, it was because of the type of machine with those types of treads I'm talking about. Hey, does that does that yes. answer your question? Does that have a tiller? No. Yes. Wait. Yes, the machine has a tiller also. So I think your question was who's going to operate it and who's going to maintain yeah, it? Sorry. Yeah. Thank you That's very much okay. for the background. But um, the operator will be either an employee, a volunteer, or subcontractor of the Sierra State Parks Foundation. It'll be the the operators will have to go under training, and um, we'll have them um, make sure there's a qualifications, um, minimal qualifications that they're met and um, other requirements. So it's going to be under the guidance, supervision, and ownership of the Sierra State Parks Foundation. Does that answer your question? Yes. There you go. I have a question. Sure. I have a question for Dan. What's your intent of motion? That we provide adequate latitude so that if it's, uh, I guess, advantageous to have this be an operational subsidy as opposed to a grant 
for purchase of a piece of equipment for one reason or another that that staff and district legal counsel have adequate birth to craft the agreement appropriately so it's not because typically we're not in a role of granting funds to third parties to purchase equipment we're typically more in a role of funding program activities and the reason I worded the motion the way I did is that we're basically saying if we approve the motion that we're willing to put $3,000 into the kitty to see that the trails at Sugar Pine Point are groomed this winter and on a regular basis yeah yeah because that is one of the problems down there is I think what you're getting at are the trails groomed on a regular basis or hit and miss I understand that Rob but when you have snow can you count on the trails being groomed if I can address that we're going to be having a either an MOU or a letter of intent with California State Parks we're trying to figure out with because of our because of the relationship SSPF has with the state but our intent is to groom minimum every Friday before the weekend and after each large storm when there's adequate storm to groom so that that will be actually in our operational agreement with State Parks and one of the reasons staff had recommended that potentially it goes to a contribution to the equipment is we didn't necessarily want to be in a situation where every year we were getting a request to help pay for the grooming but more we wanted to buy a piece of equipment that could be used for multiple years for this 3,000 so that was that was staff's intent it was a cleaner situation than getting into operating standards and operations and that sort of thing that this equipment would have a longevity far beyond a one season use I think Dan's motion just shows a level of flexibility right without having to come back to the board anything else on the motion any more discussion question all in favor any opposed any abstentions motion carries unanimously go forth and groom anybody know how cross-country ski areas have become so creative in naming their trails red green moving right along consent calendar anything to be anything to be pulled from the consent calendar move approval of the consent calendar okay moving on to resolutions and ordinances adoption of health reimbursement arrangements as as previously previously discussed with the board this is the new health reimbursement arrangement with our staff who elected the select program insurance policies and open to any questions that you have on this
I'm sorry, I'm trying to get to it. Okay. You want to repeat yourself, please? Um, I'm sorry, or summarize what you just said. <laughs> no worries. We have any questions? Okay. Is that what you said on the Pretty first item? This is as previously reported to the board in yeah. the October meeting. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I moved to it. Okay. Second. Any discussion? I just got to it. We have to what? <laughs> any discussion? All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Motion carries. Oh, it's a resolution. Okay. You have to do roll Yes. 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 Item two, appointment to Office of District Accountant. Um, on this item, uh, uh, both for items number two, three, and then five, uh, and item five, I wanted to talk briefly about a little bit of background. As you know, the district over the years has had um, various people in these positions um, as uh, district clerk, accountant, and sometimes treasurer. The Public Utility District Act allows us for, uh, suggests four different um, officers of those uh, of the district. And uh, I've just completed an annual review, the first year probationary review of Terry earlier this year as clerk and Ramona. Uh, just uh, very recently, yesterday, uh, completed her review of, she's been with us about a year and one month now, and uh, recommend both of those to the appointments for their at-will portion of their position, which is district uh, clerk and district accountant. Um, I know some questions have come up from board members regarding this, and I think it's only appropriate we talk about all three of items, number two, three, and five at one time. Uh, related to this discussion. So um, I'll open it up to questions from the board. Um, I had a question. Is it a benefit to the district to have um, these positions sanctified by ordinance, for lack of a better word? The Public Utilities District Act states that uh, the district um, may have the offices of clerk, accountant, um, treasurer, and general manager. It also says that those officers shall be appointed by the board, serve at the board's pleasure, and receive such compensation as is provided by the board through an ordinance or by ordinance. So with respect to the appointment, uh, again, it's within the board's discretion to appoint the, uh, the officers. That appointment does not need to happen through the adoption of an ordinance, but compensation does. I think the, the point um, that we were trying to, to make by establishing the compensation levels, at least for the, uh, the clerk and the accountant, um, at the levels that are set forth in the ordinance, is really to, to help identify um, and, and distinguish that the duties and service as these officers is just a portion, very small portion of, the, of, their, of their employment with the district. And because the officers serve at the pleasure of the board, doesn't necessarily mean that the employees in their capacities of performing all the duties of their job would serve at the pleasure of the board. I, I, I hope I, I, I answered your question. I don't know if I did. That's though. all the background says, and I just don't understand. It's a partial aspect of their – I don't know if it – you haven't said, yes, this is a benefit. It says we may do this. It doesn't say we shall do this. 
um, is there a really a good reason to do it? There are some statutory um, duties for the accountant uh, and the clerk. I think Cindy has code sections. Um, so the short answer is yes, I think there is a benefit to appointing those, uh, uh, appointing people to those offices. There is a benefit, but that's all you say. It's a benefit. You don't say how this is a benefit, really. For example, the clerk, uh, one of the, one of the, statutory authorizations, obligations of the clerk is to attest um, to the signatures of all contracts of the district it's benefit, and to um, take minutes and preserve a record of the proceedings, i.e. to keep minutes and records of, of the uh, board meetings. I think it's a benefit to have somebody who's designated to that office to make sure that contracts are properly attested to and to make sure that there's a person who's designated and charged with responsibility to maintain the minutes of the board's meetings. So that's at the bottom of this page. I turn to 16115. The clerk shall countersign all contracts on behalf of the district. He, this is written 1938. He shall keep his full time, uh, give his full time during office hours to the affairs of the district. He is ex officio secretary of the board and shall keep a record of its proceedings. And how some do we, districts, how do we some, do districts some districts uh, will use uh, the general manager slash clerk of the board. Some will slash assign it to the district clerk. Here. For many, many years, this district has had the person in uh, Terry's position be the district clerk mm -hmm. and be the office and also hold the office of the, of the board. But Eric asked me these questions yesterday, and it, it's you know it's just part of the statutes that these. Uh, Positions are identified, and somebody needs to. Uh, I believe well, Steve and I talked about this. Does need to countersign on these contracts. So, yeah. but you can also. Uh, I think when a lot of this was written, if you read the old law, a lot of this was written that some of the board members actually carried these titles. Yeah. They would among themselves say somebody's secretary of the board, and they they would reside there. Sometimes they yeah. didn't even hire staff. Um, yeah. That they ran the the district through just the board members and consultants or contractors. So it's hard for me, Eric, to identify it. It was just the past practice of this district, and both of these people have now passed their probation, and I thought it was appropriate to continue that practice unless there was a reason to change it. But I can't really, you're absolutely right, you know. It's like a procedural may, item. But yeah. this does refer to like doing an ordinance. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, you have to do that's, the ordinance yeah. for the compensation. I thought that's what Eric was maybe saying is why does it require right. an ordinance? Why does it require an yeah. And, and you'll also see that it's defined it so in, in the next clause, yeah, in the next clause, 16116, it also very clearly defines what the accountant should do. It Nowhere here does it have a job description for the title of treasurer. It doesn't say what the treasurer will do, although it says if you don't want to have your own treasurer, you can make the county the treasurer. So... Uh, I don't think we want to make the county the treasurer, I no. wouldn't think, but um, I think in small districts maybe sometimes they use those resources. So and we did have Jim as the treasurer. Yeah, we had Jim as the treasurer at, no, at zero compensation. That was the action we took for him in 2001. And the code further state that, that two or more offices can be consolidated in the same person. So the law allows for one person to hold many different offices. <clears throat> So the only question I had, I mean, this all just seems like procedural nuances to me. Um, 
Is there a reason to not designate the treasurer position since we're designating the other ones? I, as yet, have not researched that. Ramona and I had a discussion. Ramona was very comfortable accepting duties as the accountant to the board. She was, I'll let you speak for yourself, I think a little less so comfortable with saying she was treasurer. She doesn't have necessarily the expertise that Jim did in investment strategies. And so she and I talked about potentially talking to the board about how you wanted to handle that position. If it was an outside person or one member of the board, or I carried the title as Bob Lowery did for a period of time. So, but we have not made a recommendation on that yet. I brought these two forward because we knew. But Ramona, go ahead. That's okay. We talked about this at length several times. In terms of the accountant position, I feel very comfortable with. As a treasurer's position, I feel comfortable with that as well, just not to the depth that I would say Jim had taken the treasurer's position. However, we do rely on the individuals that we, that safeguard our assets to have that expertise as well, as long as we are checking up with them. I'm just hard pressed. I mean, if we're doing this for procedural purposes, I'm hard pressed to think of who is going to have more expertise than our finance director. And I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm fine with it too. I think we were, because we had to find, I couldn't cite a list of duties for the treasurer. I'd have to do a little more research. But I'm fine with making those appointments. Well, we should agendize it. Yeah, we have to agendize it separately. But for now, we can't. We can't just modify that? Accountant slash treasurer? She would anyway with the accountant motion. Because that's always up, right? Is that no? I'm thinking the wheels are grinding. Sorry, that's what I. I think it creates a better record. When you're appointed in office, when we've designated on the agenda the two offices, I know it's a little cumbersome. Perhaps you could have it on the consent agenda for the next meeting. For treasurer. For treasurer. We can do district accountant now. Correct. So is there a motion for? Yeah, I'd move that we approve items I-2, I-3, I-4, and I-5 as recommended in the staff report. And we also direct staff to come back at the next meeting with a recommendation to identify Ramona as the treasurer as well. So I just have a procedural question. Can I get a second on that? Second. Okay. So can we, since it's an ordinance, can we include items 2, 3, 4, and 5 all in one motion? Or do they have to be done separately? They could be all done separately. Okay. Great. We're going to have a roll call vote. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll hear on both resolutions and the ordinance. So any more discussion on approval of item I-2, 3, 4, and 5? Okay. Roll call vote, please. Director Tribus? Yes. Director Wilkins? Yes. Director Hendrickson? No. Director Rankins? Yes. Director Friedman? Yes. What was the? I'm sorry. I missed that. Everybody, was that unanimous? No, it was not. You said no? I said no. Okay. I didn't pick up what you said. Okay. Okay. I missed a comment of what you were against there. But that's your. 
have it done. I'll talk to you later. There you go. Okay. Item J1, election of officers. Yeah, number six. six. Yes, resolution approving the application uh, for headphones. Move approval. Second. 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 Yes. Director Wilkins? Yes. Director Henriksen? Yes. Director Rankins? Yes. Director Friedman? Yes. Now election of board officers? All right. Where yeah. are we now? Item J1, election of board officers. I would move that we, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd move Lou Rankins be uh, nominated for board president. Second. Any discussion? Um, yeah, I do. Okay. A little. Um, and uh, it's, I'm in agreement with that, but I have put a lot of thought into uh, the overall issue here at this time, where we are, the issues we have going. And um, I want to say I haven't talked to any one of you guys about this and discussed this, but um, I, I really respect what each of us add to every discussion, but some of us are more focused and at some times and at other times more generally uh, expressing broader opinions. Lou, I especially want to recognize and appreciate uh, your consideration and respect for Judy in stepping aside this year like you did and letting her advance to serve in, uh, as president in her first term. Um, that being said, and now that I've had a chance to see all of us and be a part of everyone's uh, role as a board president and leader, I want to express that, uh, in my opinion, and this includes throwing myself into this, um, in my opinion, Dan Wilkins has by far been the best served, as best served in this capacity to represent all board members in our views, the district staff, and the community. Um, again, he's a uh, wrote some of this down so I wouldn't forget it, but he's been an outstanding facilitator. He listens carefully to all of our concerns and comments and has helped to craft decisions uh, allowing greater consensus, uh, which really achieved the best direction for the district and its constituents. I think we've had a couple of examples of that this morning. Um, he's very considerate to other board members as well as to all the staff. Uh, the people we represent and other agencies and organizations in the, that the district must interact with. Uh, I really believe your knowledge and your understanding and your ability to communicate the district's many diverse issues makes Dan the board member who, in my opinion, would best lead and represent this board over the next couple of years. Based on this, and my gratitude to Lou, who could have been president this year, I will, uh, would like to second the nomination for Director Rankins, or agree with that, and uh, nominate uh, Director Wilkins for Vice President in 2013. Second that motion. 
Okay, so we actually have the first motion on the floor is to appoint Director Rankins as chair. So we'll take them as two separate motions unless you want to amend your first motion. Unless you want to amend the first motion. Well, Dan made it. It's kind of awkward. A little awkward. Could we do the first one? We can do them separately. So the first motion was with Director Rankins to be chair. All in favor? Aye. Do we have a second for that motion? Yes. Yes. Eric did. Yeah. Eric did. There's a second motion on the floor to appoint Director Wilkins as vice chair for this coming year. And a second in a discussion. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Motion carries. Muzzle. Muzzle. And thank you for understanding the system. What does that mean? She's right on the nose. There's other finger gestures. Yes, but I didn't think that was it. I got it. Do you charge for that one? So do I continue running this meeting for January? That's how we've typically done it. If you finish this meeting in January, the new officers take over. So committee assignments and meeting schedule. This doesn't require action, but it's in the packet. Any discussion? Well, it's not necessarily assignments and meeting schedule. Is this more than this? Meetings? I think it makes sense to have a discussion on committee assignments, because I think it was a good idea having a backup. An alternate. We haven't done that before. But to make that work, we need to know when the backup's due. Well, yeah, I think I would agree to taking that responsibility as a director, that if I can't make something, I get a hold of the alternate versus. And actually, I've been really good about that with recreation. If you're going to have, if you need to leave early, or if you're unable to attend, you felt free to call me. I'm assuming it's worked that way for the other committees. And we'll continue. The rest of us make all the meetings. Yes. Anything else? On the committees? Yeah. How do you want to do it, Lou? I think in the past, historically, the board president will solicit input from the individual board members as to whether they want to stay on committees or switch committees. I've had that request from one director. Yeah, okay. And there is a schedule in the committee assignments in the packet. Okay. Yes. I would just add to this list that Director Wilkins is the alternate for the golf course oversight. Wilkins is? Well, at the time being, he's also the alternate to DSA. Right. It's not a standing committee, is it? No, but that group was asked to appoint alternates. So we did. Okay. If I could comment on that. You just raised a question about whether or not the golf course oversight committee is a standing committee. Correct. I thought it was a special committee. 
you know, we're talking about it here as a special committee, and yet, as I'm thinking about this, and Cindy and I haven't really chatted about this. Yeah, we have, actually. Did we chat about it? Well, then I don't recall. I'll take the Reagan defense, and I'll take the Reagan defense, and I don't recall the conversation. Let me whisper to you. I have Go a ahead. feeling I'm going to put my foot in my mouth here, but the, uh, the, the committee was <laughs> created um, through the adoption of the MOU with the other entities and, and therefore really is by board action and therefore does constitute a standing... Hey, you were consistent. Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> uh, technically, it really would be a standing committee. So it's agendized, Brown Act? And yes, and that's how yes. we handled the very first okay. meeting um, based on Steve's esteemed legal judgment at that point that it was formed by uh, action of all these boards and it should be a publicly noticed Brown Act compliant meeting. And to my, my knowledge, I, I believe the Airport District Council and... Um, County Council agree with that. They, agree haven't, with that. they haven't expressed any disagreement. So we might want to reflect here on our committees and on our calendars that that is um, a standing committee, even though it doesn't have a fixed meeting schedule. Okay. It is reflected on the committee list that's on the back. It's not reflected on the calendar yet because we're we don't have established a regular meetings calendar right. because of the other so partners involved. Yeah. Okay. So I can just add it, but we don't have established. So it's not a quarterly. List, but it's on the back where it does say posts our committees. Who are what are standing committees? Well, it says ad hoc though, okay. under time and location. Okay. So maybe the intent was there's no fixed meeting schedule, but not that the committee is ad hoc. So right. you might want to just okay. remove okay. that ad hoc. That, that's what I was focused right on. Okay. I saw okay. that. Right now so the schedule so is remove quarterly. Ad hoc. <laughs> well, <laughs> quarterly, but it's not a fixed meeting date. No, it's just yeah. quarterly. Yeah. Okay. Um, is how do we how do you want to deal uh, conflicts? I thought that was part of this was, but I don't know if we wanted to do that here or not. Or the only if the committees are remaining the same, the only conflict we know of there are four conflicts with Parks and Rec Committee, um, and another meeting that was trying or another outside agency that's trying to use our boardroom. Yeah, I I would have um, there's I have five conflicts with Park and Rec on here. Okay. Do you want to just address that separately, just with Park and Rec Committee then? I'd be glad to, yeah. That, I mean, I know that's the one we've always had a... Okay. And, uh, and I, now when I look at it, I don't remember why Tuesday morning didn't work for instance. But, um, but anyway, okay. That's one. And then the... Well, so, yeah, so the other thing with Park and Rec, I know... Um, yeah, Judy had express interest I think in switching to Parks and Rec and Correct. potentially me moving over to finance. So that's what she talked about. Yeah, so that's what you would rather but if you didn't want to do that it's okay. That's fine. Hang out with Lou for a year and see him in a while. <laughs> <laughs> He's so much fun we want to share him. Yeah. <laughs> no, I want him. Okay. But anyway, right, is that, so that might right? be a, sure. that might be something. And then I'll be I am happy to be alternate on finance. Sure. Okay. And then what'd you say? I would be alternate on finance. Which, okay, that was my next thing, is every finance committee as shown here is a conflict for me. Okay. So, and I have so if life, you're the so. alternate, that's great for one of you guys. And yeah. I'll be going to finance anyway. Who's the alternate in uh, Park and Rec? I don't know, Judy was. I could be, unless someone else wants to. Yeah, and it's... 
I thought Lou made these appointments, no? Yeah, I thought Lou did too. I'm coming board president. Sir, I'm still chair, and we're moving forward. Does anybody have anything else to say about committee assignments? I like to be. Lou will come back with the finals. Yes. You still want to be TTSA? Okay. On the um, meeting schedule, we may also want to uh, look at uh, conflicts we might have on an ongoing basis with resort association meetings. There are times it's a conflict for us as well with uh, having committee meetings the same day when we're making application for funds or giving reports. So That's we'll work with five we'll, were for me. We're right. All. So we'll work with the committee members on the timing of those meetings. Did they meet the sure. second Wednesday? Or? They meet the first Wednesday, first Wednesday except okay. for January. And all the one. other ones are the the. Uh, Park and Rec is meeting the first Wednesday gotcha. after, okay. because of the first Friday being a week before. Right. Yeah. Okay. And can I just point out one thing? Mm -hmm. um, we also have already scheduled the budget workshop for next year is on the calendar. That's that November 5th date, so that would be an evening meeting. So we just wanted to get that on the calendar at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. And then so if I hear correctly, the only issue is with Park and Rec Committee on the calendar? Okay. Thanks. Okay. Let me double check. So we could go to like a oh, Tuesday. Let, let, me, let me just double check finance. Ron? Finance is always the second Friday. Second Friday, that should work. So Ron, we could go to Tuesday. Yeah. Okay. So Tuesday might work instead of Wednesday for parking lot. The only time Tuesday wouldn't I think about it. It would be when it's the first Tuesday of the month, so there yeah. is some of those. Right. Well, we could do it after that. Yeah, we can do it later. later. Yeah, yeah, we can do it at 9 o'clock. We can meet on Sunday afternoons. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let me look at the sports. <laughs> you got this all down, Terry? I'll be talking to them later. Yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, reports. Okay. Engineering. Finance. General manager. Um, I attended the TRPA regional plan mm -hmm. adoption on Wednesday. It was a 12-1 vote in support. I did speak on behalf of the district and on behalf of the areas we represent, parks, recreation, and uh, water and sewer. And um, the uh, South Tahoe Public Utility District also spoke in behalf of especially the streamlining they've done on the MOU and the agreements that we've had, how it impacts uh, our service level. Um, it was a, a very well-attended meeting. A lot of North Shore residents actually were the most opposed, but all the public agencies, all uh, county, uh, David Bosch from Placer County was there, spoke in favor, um, and gave great accolades to Larry Sevison, which was a very nice um, presentation. And uh, all in all, I think TRPA staff has really bent over backwards responding to our concerns. Our primary issues with them have, uh, during this process has been making sure that the golf course and the flexibility of use of the golf course is maximized. And they have met with us, they've come up on site, walked it with us, and responded to every concern. So um, I thought it, it's a tremendous step forward. Um, there's uh, no, numerous threats of litigation on this plan, um, and still a lot of misinformation out there that uh, because certain things are allowed, it's all going to happen everywhere and all kinds of new units, um, that sort of thing. It's just not true. But 
nonetheless, there's a, uh, indications mm -hmm. that there may be some litigation involved with it. But at least for the states of California and Nevada, the leaders of California and Nevada who attended the meeting spoke in favor of it. It was a tremendous um, vote of support. It was a 12-1, and I believe there was a one abstention um, as well. On the, and he resigned by insurance. So Mara Bresnik was the only no vote on the plan. Who's that? Mara is the appointment for the Assembly, California Assembly. And uh, she does own a second home in our district. Uh, she uh, has... Uh, Didn't like the plan. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I think she doesn't feel it controls growth enough. Is oh, yeah. it, it wasn't strict enough. Um, it was pretty much from the beginning. Unless there's some major changes here, I won't. Regardless of what you do, I won't be able to approve it. I mean, she said that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that was all I think I had to report. Sure. Bob? Parks and Rec? Sewer and Water? Um, are we going to have a movie? We are. We're going to have a <laughs> sewer and water movie? Um, just a couple updates. We had the uh, sewer and water committee. We had two, two major. Um, I don't see the light on. Water main issues last two weeks ago. One in Wilton, one in McKinney. Um, lost a pretty significant amount of water. Do you see the light on up there, Matt? Oh, there it goes. Okay. And uh, both were just failures of components that. Valves or pipes? What's that? Valves or pipes? Well, we had one uh, failure in McKinney of a, a saddle, which you know ties to the main and allows the service to come off the main. Um, it most likely was a newer main put in about five, six years ago. We think that maybe the, the saddle was just over tightened and stressed the, the, the mounting points. Um, and then in Rubicon, we had two services. Um, which are 30, 35 years old now, um, several uh, near the main. Um, and, but unfortunately, there's very high pressure at that location, so the resultant loss was about 100 gallons a minute. Um, so it did cause some property damage, and we've been working with the homeowner to, to uh, restore the property. And, and, uh, so. Is the result going to be a claim now? Um, we don't know yet. We, we, We've tried to, you know, work with the customers kind of in-house for our employees, and um, he had a, one of his own employees, the homeowner happens to own a development company. Um, so he had one of his employees come up and, and assist as well, so we'll probably get the bill for that time. Um, whether or not it exceeds our threshold where we would normally just pay it versus going through, you know, going through the hoops of filing a claim. Um, but we did open a claim. Yes, um, Ramona, if you want to. I've already talked with Aka JPIA's CC. I can't remember her last name, but we filed the claim, but she says pretty much she keeps it aside until we know it's going to meet the threshold. So they've been informed, and we've we've put something on file with them. And uh, we also did notify Mahan because the one in Rubicon clearly, the one in Rubicon clearly made it to the lake. So that's it for water and sewer. Um, I just want to 
wanted to give a quick presentation on the Rocky uh, Ridge Tanker Building Project. It's kind of the first one we've done in many, many years. And we have a number of them coming up, and it's quite a big yeah. capital investment. Um, and for those of us who aren't as knowledgeable, recoding a tank seems like a relatively simple and, and you would hope inexpensive project. Come to find no, out, no, 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 neither of those are true. And so, uh, yes, <coughs> yeah. So that's that's the exterior of the Rocky Ridge tank uh, prior <coughs> to any work being done. Um, just to give you an idea of where the tank is located. Um, that the little subdivision you see, uh, Squaw Carpetway, that's Rocky Ridge Condominium Complex. And so uh, the access is through Burton Creek uh, State Park. Um, and so you see this kind of circuitous route you've got to take to get to the tank, which is all uh, you know, unpaved. Okay, these are all unpaved roads um, to get to the tank. So access was definitely a challenge during this project because you have to bring in tons and tons and tons of sand as blasting media. <laughs> so all that material has to be transported. Tony, you couldn't go road. through the existing roads to get there? I mean, we ski right by that thing. No, no, we used existing fire roads. Um, we used existing fire roads, and, but they're not paved. So no, they're not paved. But... During the summer, it's fine. When you get into Weather seasons. After it snowed in October is when yeah, it's 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 become a challenge because you have to get equipment back in there and out of there. And uh, we did cause some road damage, which we've been working with state parks to try and restore. Uh, but anyway, just one of the challenges. Second challenge in a, in a tank rehabilitation is you have to take the tank completely offline. It has to be taken out of service. And that's the only source of water and pressure um, for the Rocky Ridge complex. So we had to install a set of temporary tanks. So each one of those tanks has holds about 6,000 gallons um, of water. So uh, it's like you're half full. Yeah, we, we, we operated them basically like like the main tank, except you just instead of having 500,000 gallons of storage, we had nice. about 15,000 total, you know, working storage between those three tanks. So. And we did inform the fire department. Tony made sure the Absolutely. fire department was well aware of the time that this tank was not in service, so they could make provisions if there had been an emergency. Was it? it wasn't in service. Uh, about two and a half months. Months. Yeah, yeah. So you can see just the work that goes into plumbing in those tanks and trying to get enough storage and capacity just for a temporary arrangement. Um, so just to give you an idea what the interior of the tank looked like, this is a shot of the roof, interior roof. Um, you can see the coating failure and the surface rusting, um, which was very, very significant in this particular tank. Just another shot of the surface rusting. So this is the interior of the tank, the bottom. This particular tank, uh, the uh, the dark area at the bottom ring of the tank is actually a tar coating. This tank had a uh, was previously tar coated um, in the lower eight feet of the of the tank shell, uh, as well as the, uh, the center column and the floor. What you see kind of in this, this mucky stuff is just uh, a bunch of the failed coating that's just accumulated on the roof on the floor of the tank. Does this, does this have Cathode protection? It does not have cathodic protection. Um, next slide. 
So this shot is, uh, I didn't have any good shots of the completely blasted interior. So basically the entire interior was sandblasted. Um, you know, and the tar coating was chipped out and then the metal underneath the tar coating was blasted as well. So this shot is after the first coat of the roof is on and the walls themselves have been sandblasted. Are sandblasted. Interesting. To see the scale. That's a huge project, and nobody has an yeah. idea of what it's like to sandblast inside yeah. a fix. Yeah. This, 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 this tank, space. Is, this so tank horrible. is 30 feet tall by about 7 feet wide. It's a big, it's a big tank. Tom yeah. Leroy would like photo clip this. He's very proud of this shot. Just another shot of the room uh, after being coated. Just a nice. shot of the center, the center column. Coating. What's the coating? The coating is a uh, two-component, what they call pro-component epoxy. It's a 99% solids epoxy, uh, which is a change from the traditional epoxy, which had, which was usually less than 70% solids. Uh, so there's virtually no BSCs in the coating. Um, the advantage to this coating uh, process is that the time <coughs> is is virtually, you know, one to two days versus seven to ten days on a, on a, uh, a more VOC-laden mix. So this particular product at 40 degrees Fahrenheit will fully cure in two days. So for our environment and our project, because we tend to try and do these projects late in the season when demand is low for water and when it's easier to take a tank offline, um, unfortunately, our temperatures then start to fall as well, um, and so you run into temperature issues. So these coatings have become kind of more friendly for our environment um, and, uh, and allow the tank to be put back in service much sooner. Mm -hmm. but, you know, the coating process doesn't take a long time. The prep process is, is, takes 80% of the work. What's the lifespan of this coating? Um, we hope to see at least 30 years. 20 to 30 years is more of the traditional uh, time frame, um, but it, it all kind of revolves around the prep work, as with any paint job. Mm -hmm. Prep work is 90% of the success or failure you know, of a project. So um, we had a professional consultant on site the whole time. Um, that's their job. That's the only thing they do is coding consulting. Um, so. You know, none of us here have experience necessary to understand when something's ready to be coated and when something's not ready to be coated. Um, that includes taking metal temperatures, humidity temperature, you know, all these things, all these factors uh, to make sure that the metal is ready to accept it. <coughs> um, so the second part of the beauty of this is it's a one-coat system. Um, it applies, because it's such a heavy solids material, it applies 20 to 30 mils in one coat which is uh, 20 to 30 mils is sufficient for um, thickness for the protection. Really think of Bisquin, 6 mil Bisquin, you know, and then... Yeah, it, yeah it's, a heavy, it's a heavy build component system, so that's the other advantage is, is it's a one-coat system. Is yeah. spray on or brush on? Spray on. Um, and then one of the things that they do, they have to do, go back, is they do a stripe coat. Once the main coating is on, they'll go back and do a stripe coat on all the welds, all the joints, all the crevices, just to make sure that, um, that there's enough 
coating material in the areas where the spray may not penetrate, plus giving that extra level of protection on the welds. Uh, you see that you see that different color uh, material. Uh, it's slightly different shades, so they know they're getting enough material over the existing coating. So we saw a lot of scaffolding inside that tank. Is there a big opening for scaffolding to go in, or do you cut a cut a door in there that, that fits all that stuff? No, twenty four inch the twenty four inch round manway. Everything that you saw was basically in through that. Yeah, it's just it's basically because I didn't think scaffolding. Well, I guess you could break it down inside. You must be able to. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, there again, just the time, prep time. Mm. Next slide. Uh, so this is a view of the floor, the finished floor. That's the, that's the manway, basically, here, that, they, that you okay. bring everything in and out of, including the sand. Um, you know, so it's a very labor-intensive process to prep. Uh, so that's the finish coating on the floor, on the walls, on the ladder. Uh, just another shot of the floor. That's the main drain for the tank. Uh, just a shot of once the tank's fully cured and completed, they go back in and do a, a high-pressure rinse with 200 part per million chlorine solution to disinfect the tank uh, prior to filling it. Uh, so we did it coat the exterior. We did not have to blast the exterior. Um, so uh, this is a two-part um, system. So there's a primer coat that goes on, then a finished coat. So this is a shot of the primer coat going on. Um, that's the roof with the primer coat going on. Uh, so this is a shot of the first shot of the finished coat going on. Um, that's a, and here's a shot of the finished tank, um, which is a, a darker brown color. You can't really appreciate the color. It's darker brown, but it has more gray in it, which works really well um, with, the, with the surrounding environment. So have we seen the reflection of the trees in the sky in there, or is that part of the paint? <laughs> Looks pretty cool that way. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing murals on our tanks now. <laughs> That's how good it blends the environment. It's just the glossiness reflecting the trees. Um, unfortunately, the, the exterior coat did have some issues. Uh, we felt that uh, the temperatures may have not allowed it to cure fully. Um, so we've uh, Based on some that and some other issues with the exterior coating, we temporarily rejected the exterior coating until the spring to determine if it cures uh, more evenly. Um, as well as there's some ongoing issues with the restoration of the road um, after the, the wet weather. So um, we've, we've issued a non-compliance uh, to the contractor who's completely aware of it and has no issues with it. Um, we've retained a sufficient amount of money that have the exterior recoded if necessary and uh, and the road restored um, and they're okay with that. We saw that lettering yeah. correspondence. Yeah. So lucky uh, Otis. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but overall it, you know it's a it's a lengthy process. It takes a lot of time. It costs unfortunately a lot of money. What was um, the total cost, Tony? I'm sorry. It's probably gonna end up just north of about two hundred and fifty thousand. Mm -hmm. I think better last 30 years. The bid was 155,000 for the for the actual clothing roof, but when you throw in all the labor uh, of inspection and also the temporary tanks, um, and it, it'll that, that's about where we're going to end up, I think. Which is, you know, in the end, it's it's a good part of the actual reconstruction cost of a tank. But oh, really that's such a nice thank you. Yeah, really. <laughs> um, but you know, we. we uh, this coating consultant was used by South Tahoe PD, uh, 
being used by TTSA and their uh, coding process. And, and, uh, overall, they're happy. You know, they're very, very happy with the interior, the outcome of the interior. I wanted Tony to take this opportunity to show you this project and commend Tony um, and his staff because there's an awful lot of work that goes into the operational component and uh, that goes along with this project and also to make sure that the board's aware, especially as you look at our rate revenues and say, what are we doing with that money that the taxpayers have pledged us through, or the ratepayers have pledged us through the 218? And here's a great example of a project that I think to most of us, you hear about a recoding, you think, oh gosh, you just go repaint. Easy. And, uh, and because of the timing that we have in our temperature issues and our peak summer uses, uh, we have very limited windows of time to actually get these projects done. And we have how many more coming? <laughs> uh, we have probably two to four more kind of eminent in the next five, six years. Right. Tell me on the exterior, do you think it's due to the humidity today? I think it was due to the temperature. Temperature? Primarily. It dropped quickly. We, we just went, ran out of luck. Well, the temperatures were probably acceptable during the day, but overnight, um, if the coating hadn't cured sufficiently before the temperature dropped to a certain point, um, they can it can what they call flash, where it it, it contracts a little too. Yeah, and, and and then what happens is the next morning you go and you'll see that the tank doesn't have a very uniform gloss to it. It looks blotchy, um, and that means parts of it flashed. Parts of it didn't. Um, you know, the, the one thing we did, the tank was actually fairly f was full when we uh, coated it, so there was an expectation that hopefully the, the water temperature would kind of insulate a little bit, the coating a little bit from the exterior temperatures. Um, it may have actually helped, but I think in certain in certain areas of the tank it was just too cold. Uh, but it may still be curing as we speak, so we're going to give it more. You know, we're going to give it till the no, no, it's very different. Uh, very different. Paint. Polyurethane. It was a polyurethane used on the exterior, yes. So this uh, the material on the interior probably doesn't work so well on the wood tanks, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing works on the wood tank. Typically, the only way to rehabilitate a wood tank is to put it at the bottom of old mills to replace it with a metal one. Well, the only way to rehabilitate a wood tank is put a liner in it, uh, and that's not. No one wants to do that because then it allows the wood to shrink. shrink wood because now the water's not in contact with the wood. Right. Uh, so, but you know, still the tank was an overall an excellent, excellent condition as far as the metal. Um, there was very little pitting and rusting, and there were no repairs required, which is a sign that we got it right at the right time. Is this sitting on the concrete pad? Um. You know, I'm not sure if this one's on a concrete pad or a <coughs> or a gravel. Uh, yeah, what a lot of times what they actually do is it's a gravel with a uh, they put a tar, uh, an oil uh, an oil based thing so that it, it you're pretty much guaranteed not to have the, a corrosion on the underside. Would that have shown in the one that had the door in it, the slide that had the door, what the flooring was like? No, the flooring is, is metal. No, yeah. but it but sits on foundation either concrete or gravel. Yeah. Got it. Um, like at Upper Island, there was a concrete ring yeah. with gravel with, gra with oil. With a gravel. A lot of the other ones are just on a gravel ring. 
Yeah. So this is the first uh, major rehab on this tank since it was no. installed, or have we done no, a coating project previously? It was recoded in 1993. Oh, okay. Um, but they only recoded down to the to that eight foot line. tar layer. I see. Uh, the, the tar was left, and it, truthfully, the tar was in excellent condition. Uh, the metal underneath it was. I think we went out and looked at that. We got got a tour of that. Yeah, the metal was in excellent condition underneath the tar, but it's not really, no one really wants to have tar in their tanks anymore. Um, so we elected to go ahead and remove it all and just get rid of it. Did the painters have to have uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we had to supply it? Uh, during some parts of it, yes, they had to have to they had, uh, I, you know, I don't know what what type of uh, spray equipment they they had. It's a it's, no, no. It's it's actually a very new system because it. It's probably This this uh, plural component system is is relatively new to the market. Um, so, but it, overall, it's a good project. Spend life in facility for 25, 30 years. Did you have to alert the fire department then that you were doing this? because of the confined space? Not the fire department. Well, they were alerted to the project. They didn't alert them necessarily that there was confined space. Um, the, the, the lighting and the uh, ventilation provided um, was basically to keep it, you know, as in a non-permit space. Um, so uh, generally we only notify the fire department when we do Okay. Thanks, Thanks, that was interesting. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for doing it. Good job. Good. 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 Uh, there was no action. Okay. There was no presentation. They haven't um, worked on anything. Lately, so. Thanks. Um, Kelly's department. <laughs> All right. If you could wrap this around to the board members and Steve. Um, just want to remind you, we talked about last month, but that we are doing a community holiday party on December 23rd at the golf course to kick off the grand opening of the new Tallis Winter Sports Park. Um, it is definitely a family-friendly, family-oriented event. Sam will be there, Carolers, and Molly Music will be there. Uh, and it's going to be a fun little snowshoe poker run, or on foot little poker run. Um, so anyways, encourage you if you're in town, we'd love to see you there. Not just poker, go fish for the kids. Okay. If you're used to poker runs. We're not trying to teach the kids to gamble. Go fish for those under. So we're fishing for children? Or? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And you want to mention anything about the trash yeah. show? Oh, sure. Um, is uh, And I reported the last couple of months in my report um, about a partnership with Rotal PD and Strat to be um, help underwrite the trash and shows they brought into the North Valley School. And so yesterday was the second of three. Um, they did the first one at North Tallis School, which was grades 5th through 8th. And then yesterday was at Kings Beach Elementary, and that was kindergarten through 4th grade. And um, Judy, it was great. Judy came and attended. And, um, you know, these guys, I, I, I've seen them quite a few times now, at least a handful. 
And uh, they keep thinking, well, what can they do differently? And every time there's a, an added twist and an added enhancement, and um, they're really getting good about tailoring it to their audience. So last year when they went to King's Beach Elementary, it's a little, little old. They were talking a little old, but they didn't tone it down. They did a great job of that, including the, um, the audience. And then what they did was they were asking us, you know, as our partnership, what our messages are. And one of the big ones we're focusing on what not to put down the drain or the sink or the toilet and wipes down <coughs> pipes. And um, they did a phenomenal job about it, gave us a lot of mentions. And one of the outfits, and I got to that, <coughs> one of the outfits, they took it and um, the whole bottom half of the dress, the skirt was all made out of disposable wipes. And then the top part was made out of socks, black and white socks. And, um, and they talked about it, it was to signify why, you know, no one needs to use disposable wipes. And they talked about why, how it doesn't dissolve down the drain, what have you. And then they use socks to signify we're doing something where you can wash, something that's reusable. And um, so it was really good. I felt like they did a better job this year, really caring mm-hmm. for our messages over and over again. It, um, they didn't have time yesterday, but at North Tile School, they had a little extra time where they opened it up to the audience. They actually did. They, they did, did. yeah. Okay. Um, and where they reinforced the message and they talked about, well, why they created that particular mm-hmm. um, dress and things. So... Anyways, it's, I think it's good it's use great. of our outreach. It's good use of outreach. We were thanked over and over and over again, so that was good. So, thank you. Thanks, thanks for going. Uh, where are we? Correspondence? I wanted to bring up uh, one of the items on correspondence, which is the letter from Brian McGeever on page J4-2. I have not yet responded okay. to this, but the reason I wanted to bring it up was I wanted to fill you in on a couple things that are happening. As we've been a... Uh, bringing Lake Forest into our uh, system, one of the things that occurred, and I'm not sure how this one occurred, and I, uh, Matt may know, but on several occasions recently, and I, and I raised this with Director Henderson yesterday, um, uh, when we received Rick DeWant's water bills, some of the customers were being billed for two accounts, two services, where we only had them listed for one sewer connection. Um, and uh, so in going through this, we are uncovering some of those, and it's unfortunate because the connection fees for those extra units uh, for us is 1000 but for TTSA is 5000 So the service fees are, are one issue, but these connection fees um, are, are becoming somewhat controversial, and I would expect that you might hear about them. Um, and so we'll bring back to you some thoughts about it. I haven't had time to respond to this one or to the overall issue yet. Um, I hope to get to it this coming week so that we can make some good recommendations to the Sewer and Water Committee in January and uh, moving forward. Um, so stay tuned on that one. So some of these some of these may have been scabbed in decades ago. Yes. And some of them also. Yeah. And, and I... Uh, like 100 years, I think. Yeah, maybe like 20. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and the, sec- the whole second unit discussion is always challenging for staff because we really, I think yeah. we, we have a lot of issues with how, how much is a, a small studio apartment contributing to the overall versus some of the, the very, very large homes that we have. And some of these uh, uh, units are incredibly small. And, so there's two components to it. One yeah. is whether they should be charged retroactively or should, whether they should be charged a connection fee and then the other should they be charged for a second yeah. uh, service. Mm-hmm. Our policy has always been that we do, when we find them, we go after the connection fee. Yeah. I think 
most of us at staff are willing to rethink this in the long term, but we'd have to come back with a recommendation to the board yeah. and, and think through all the policy ramifications of that and the retro to the people that have already funded and paid for their second unit. So we have a lot more research to do on it to propose a change in policy. Um, but in the meantime, you will hear from these folks. Mm -hmm. We're not looking for them. It's coming to us through being on their sites and yeah. uh, doing the cross-connection, talking to them about their commercial sizes of their properties and trying to work with them to connect them into our system, as well as looking at Rick's billing and then looking at our billing and mm -hmm. make, trying to make it consistent. So. Um, Anyway, I just I wanted to make sure you're aware it isn't just in this situation. Matt, I okay. you have your mic on so you can follow up. Uh, yeah, this particular one came up just um, not actually from investigating the DeWant bills, but more from our servicing, water servicing design. Auerbach went out and looked at all the properties and um, this one. So we were checking it for consistency. Um, it came up. We treated it like any other second unit that would come across in due course of doing our business. Um, but as Cindy said, it's a you know it's a constant issue for us. Um, right. So it'd be nice to discuss it from a policy standpoint. Um, is, is and we did. Having a similar discussion about the policy? Either? No, they they, mm -hmm. they won't. I don't believe they don't they'll ever change it. I've talked it's, to. Them. Yeah. It's, it's a policy that, that there's not enough <coughs> support to change it. If there's two services, there's two connections. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, it's still that long. That's all right. Uh, yesterday we did the inspection uh, with uh, Brian. Um, we weren't able to gain access to the property or the building. He didn't have a key, uh, but he's, he seemed pretty clear that it is definitely a second unit uh, from, from our standpoint. Um, and just, uh, just for a reminder, we have addressed this issue to some degree in the water billing. Mm -hmm. um, this is now really more of a sewer issue, the second unit issue. Do we use the same criteria, the scope? Uh, in the, yeah, in, in the there's sewer billing, there's yeah, a, there's a yeah we're unit. relatively consistent on what the definition of a dwelling unit is between us and TTSA. So you may hear some words uh, from the Lake Forest property owners because there's, there's a, a fair number of them in that little area that are all going to be hit through either inspections, cross-connection, commercial accounts, as well as uh, our comparison with bills. So just wanted to make sure you were aware of that. Okay. Any other questions on correspondence? No? Um, director's comments and correspondence? Yeah, I'll give you a report on our GPIA meeting that was at last week. There's not going to be any changes in rates. Insurance. And uh, I did go to a Region 3 meeting. And uh, there's a move afoot to get the mountain counties together. And other agencies in the mountain counties. And try to, uh, since a lot of water that's coming down into the valley originates up in the mountains. They are trying to get some legislation put together on tying it into the, what's going on in the valleys as far as when they get that funded, that there's something that comes forth to the mountain counties. So they may want to be proactive in that area. Uh, <clears throat> the other thing to report from JPLA is 
we're in the top 20% of all three of the uh, insurance program training. In terms of well utilization? Yeah, on the good side, not right. on the bad side. Not in the top 20% claims on the... We're on the good side, so congratulations to everybody on the staff. Okay. Uh, thank you very much for, a, I think, a very well-deserved uh, employee recognition evening. Uh, that was good feeling, I think, was had by everybody that was there, and I appreciate you guys putting that on and the, the great presentations letting us know what had occurred during the year. One moment. <laughs> if you can see your notes, we'll listen to your speech again. <laughs> Director Wilkin. Thanks for uh, being board president for the past year. I think Thank you did a very you. good job with it. Probably a good year. No. Thanks. You did a great job. You did. I just uh, wanted to say that um, uh, I had occasion before the second 100-year storm we had a couple weeks ago to uh, be working in a different capacity and another uh, local agency was there and I think he, he's in one of the engineers with this agency and and he said I, I know you're on the Taz City PUD board I just want to tell you that we're going into this weekend a little bit nervous but we know that TCPUD of all the agencies that we work with will be there to support whatever we need and I just want to say thanks so that was kind of nice coming from another district and well deserved so thank you for for Thank all that, you. and I'm glad we didn't need you. Um, review uh, board action and direction. Yes, on item E1 on the EAP, we will ask our third-party administrator to advise all new claims um, to utilize the new program or any change in those claims, and we'll give, provide an annual report to the board on the cost of that program. Um, uh, the other directions that you've given us, uh, I think we're consistent with the staff recommendation. And then on item I, we'll uh, bring back the appointment of Ramona Cruz as treasurer to the January meeting. Okay, anything else? Hearing nothing, we're adjourned. Happy holidays, everybody. See you next time. Thank year. you to you and you. <laughs> so, Terry, do you want this? Um, okay.